0: Oh yes, hello friends, welcome back. My guest today is mountaineer extreme and former SPS operative Nims Perger. The fastest that anyone had previously climbed the 14 death zone mountains, which are the mountains higher than 8,000 meters, was eight years and Nims did it in seven months. So today expect to learn what the human body is truly capable of, how purpose can overcome fatigue, the truth behind that Everest photo what effect NIMS has noticed climate change has made to the mountains, and much more. These last few weeks, man, like the, the Marcus Smith episode, the Tom Otten episode, this one with NIMS is just, it's blowing me away in seeing what the human body is capable of. And th- this episode just is so unbelievable. The guy is aligned, awakened, completely at peace, but also an absolute savage at the same time. Like just a wonderful, wonderful ambassador. I'm super, super proud of what he's done and whatever he gets up to over the next year, he's going to be hugely, hugely entertaining and crazy. So make sure that you go and give him a follow this, this story's outrageous. So get ready for it today. Also, obviously, if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. It would make me so happy. The only way that this show grows is by people like you sharing it with people like you, and you're not going to find a more motivational and inspirational story this year. In other news, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by... The Protein Works. I am back in the UK which means that I am finally back and able to use the Protein Works in all of their glory. You can get 35% off everything site-wide at theproteinworks.com slash modernwisdom. Not only that, but you get to see all of the supplements and foods that I recommend. We are approaching the new year, new year, new me, all that stuff. You do require some supplements to ensure that you are assisting with your trip back to the gym. Creatine, I would highly, highly recommend. Their whey protein 80 is fantastic value, 24-7 multivitamin. Obviously, my favorite from them is the Super Greens powder it gives you the base for greens and fruits that you need to help build your diet up and to ensure that you're getting the right amount of micronutrients vitamin b12 also very good and vitamin d3 there is a virus out there you should go and get some of that green tea ultra tablets and the red cell that they use the red cell is the only fat burner i've ever found that actually works and that i enjoy using you can go and see all the products that I recommend at theproteinworks.com slash modernwisdom and use the code MODERN35 for 35% off absolutely everything. Go and set yourself up for the new year with a fantastic bundle, theproteinworks.com slash modernwisdom. In other, other news, this episode is brought to you by brand new sponsor, Slater Menswear. I have been going to Slater Menswear for over 10 years now, probably since I was at uni, needed to get my first suit to go to the races, and I am so happy to have partnered up with them. Every single time that I go in there, and blown away by the customer service, but they have a fantastic online store that stocks absolutely everything. All the major brands that you would want to buy from Levi's, Ted Baker, Barber, Farrah, Ben Sherman, Calvin Klein, Under Armour, and much more. Also, you can get 10% off everything on top of any sales items. So at the moment, they've got 10% off everything on Barber. And if you use the code MW10, you will get a further 10% off absolutely everything. If you've got that guy in your life who you think, oh, he's just so hard to buy for, I I don't know what to get him. This is the solution. The range that they have is absolutely amazing. The service is second to none. They have an absolutely free alteration service, which basically means that you get tailored clothes everything becomes tailored so if your waist needs taken in the trouser leg needs lengthened or shortened the jacket sleeves need sorting out they will do it all on site at each store which makes a huge difference especially when you're not an average body shape from working out or whatever else head to slaters.co.uk slash modern wisdom and enter the code mw10 for 10% off everything if you're still struggling To work out what to get your dad or brother or boyfriend for Christmas, just head on there. They've got so much awesome stuff from accessories like scarves and hats right through to the basics that they will need every day, plus dress and formal wear. Slaters.co.uk slash modernwisdom and MW10 for 10% off. But for now, get ready for this one. The wise, wonderful, and absolutely insane Nims Purger. Nims bloody herger how are you my brother
1: I'm good Chris and so you know glad to be here you know talking with you in your podcast
0: and all you keeping well I'm very well man I'm in the fifth location that I've recorded it in out in Dubai so for everybody that's watching this is yet another backdrop that you need to get used to thankfully the internet is significantly better here and you're in is that your garden
1: I'm in Kathmandu brother you know So, yeah, I'm staying in this, you know, uh, hotel, park, blaze. They're like family to me. And, uh, yeah, just I'm here quarantined. uh,
0: It looks beautiful, man. It looks beautiful. Yeah. Let's get into it. You were six years away from a full pension from the Special Forces, and then you leave to climb 14 of the highest mountains on Earth. Why? Wow. (laughs)
1: Spot on, buddy. So, for me, everything what I do in life – it needs to have a purpose. And um, I started climbing, you know, first when I was 29 year old, and that kind of started leading into into the project, which was to climb all the 14 highest mountain of the world, which is above 8,000 meters. We call that as a death Zone peak. And there are only 14 of those. And uh, the fastest someone had climbed this was, you know, nearly eight years, you know, 14 days or eight years. And uh, I felt like I could do this in you know within seven months. Um, and why? why I left all my you know like job security, pension and, and everything? It was purely because I felt like I had a bigger purpose. And um, honestly, if it was money for money, I would have never been able to achieve this kind of you know uh, goal or project if it was for the selfishness or it was just for our family or, you know, all this love affections and all those bubbles that we live in. Again, I wouldn't be even close to achieve this kind of mission, but what I had purely believed in was I really wanted to show the world that, you know, what human body is capable of and for those who doesn't understand you know the big you know high altitude mountaineering in you know, a thin air and all that just to put things into perspective what i was saying at that point was okay if the world record for you know the full marathon is 2 hours i'm going to do that in 10 minutes that was the equivalent <laughs> of this project that's why everybody was laughing at me at that point you know no nobody would believe in this no sponsorship came in through but then again, you know, I had a core cool reason why I was doing it. Uh, I just told you one. And the second one was the Nepalese climbers, you know, have been the frontier of a thousand meter peak. And, you know, when you, you, you hear the story, they always say, oh, yeah, they all just carry, you know, big loads and that is strong and all that. Not really. You know, we are much more bigger than that. We have our own decision making capability. We all can guide. We all are super technical climbers as well. And. I felt like the, the justice needs to be done there. So I wanted to raise the name of the Nepalese climbers in an international platform, which was very close to me. Um, so that's the second reason. And the third as well was, you know, I truly believe the house that I live is not my home. I believe in you know, earth is our home because, you know, that's where you're most alive. You know, you don't, if you, let's say just to give an example, very tiny example. If you stay in your home, if you've got bigger problem, whatever it is, your home doesn't kind of, you know, like relieve you. It doesn't give you the thrive. It doesn't give you excitement. It doesn't give you adventure. But then earth is a bigger home where, let's say, for example, even though you are super stressed, you've got any problem, if you go for just like hill walking or, or walk by the river or by the nature or in the glacier, you're super happy. So our, our actual home is earth. And I felt like with the experience that I had seen, I really believe that you know, i need to raise the awareness about climate change and global warming and those three were the main pillars why i did why i did so and i i truly believe on those you know purpose uh, and, and and that's why this mission came and for that of course as i said i had to sacrifice my job i had to give up my pension my mom and dad were really upset at the start my brother didn't spoke to me for like three months and there was, you know, full financial gains. I had to remortgage my house. And there was not even still a sponsorship. Every day I was, I was working so hard. And I have never been stressed out in my life. And I will tell you this example. I was driving in a motorway. And um, every day I would go to, like, London to meet four or five people, do the sales pitch, and, and come back home. But everywhere I go, they were like, oh, it's not possible. And then if you think you are that good, why we haven't heard your name before. And I used to say, okay, I came from a special forces background and we have to be covered. So even though I had this all world records, I had saved people's life, nobody knew about it. And all this craziness, brother. And I, I remember that night when everybody was saying no and, and this is impossible. I was driving in a motorway and I had like tears coming through, through my eyes. I stopped, I had to obviously debrief myself, and, and I cracked on, and, and this is all was for the bigger purpose. And I felt like I have, I have somehow, you know, achieved you know, those purposes and, and, and those reasons why I wanted to do this, uh, this mission. So yeah, it's, it's, it's loads of story over there, brother.
0: That's beautiful, man. What do you want people to take away from what you did? You said that you wanted to prove human capability what are the lessons that you want the general public to take away? People who aren't going to climb Everest, who aren't going to try and do this yeah. psychopathic endurance events.
1: Every moment when I was in the mountain, Chris, you know, when I felt like I was going to die, I said, Nims, not today, not today. And uh, I really felt like my story should come out because I know for a fact it's going to change so many people's life. I know that because it has it has changed my life. For example... If you look at who is Nimstai Perza, he was underprivileged, you know, kid who was born in Nepal. Didn't even had flip-flops. I used to live in the in the house, in this room where like the chicken farming was on top of us. From there, you know, I wanted to join the Gekas. Then I didn't even make it on the first attempt. Even though I was the fastest man, I was the fittest guy. There was a vacancy for 25 people. Out of 2,000 candidates who came out there, only 18 passed the physical test. And I was amongst those 18. But just because the, the, the guy who was assessing didn't like me, he kicked me out. I had the rights to get that vacancy, that pass, because there was 25 passes. And I was among, amongst 18 people who passed those tests. But then I didn't give up. I went second time again, and I eventually made it. Then even from the Gurkhas to going into Special Forces, the Gurkhas had served in the British military for 200 years and none of them had ever made it into Special Boat Service. So for me at that point, when I heard about SBS, UK Special Forces, it was like, oh man, this is like James Bond stuff. You know, they are so cool <laughs> and you got to be so good at this. You got to be this, you got to be that. You got to be super fit, super smart, all these things. And when I said I, I wanted to be part of that group, Again, my friend started laughing about it. You know, my even some people who I really inspire, who I used to get inspired by them. You know, some mentor, some like officers were saying that NIMS, it's not possible. You know, in order to go over there, you shouldn't be only super fit. You've got to have the knowledge, like brain of attainment. I was like, yeah, whatever, man. But then I worked so hard because it was unknown to me. I came from landlocked country and then nobody had ever made into SBS and... Uh, And my own training regime was mental. I had never trained like this in my whole life, brother. I used to wake up at one o'clock. I used to carry like 75 to 80 pounds on my back. I used to tap, which is a speed march, 20 kilometers. I used to be at at the military camp by like seven o'clock. Then I do normal physical training with my military guys for an hour, whatever that physical, you know, PT is. Then I work whole day as a... as a labor, because I was engineer and I was, you know, building an instructor finisher. So it's styling, it's painting, it's plastering. And at the evening, I used to, again, run clean fatigue. I like I used to leave my bargain in the school and I, I run back to the house. Again, 20 kilometers. Quick food. Then I go to the gym. I cycle 65 miles again. From Nepal, not a good swimmer. Then I used to do freestyle, like, 100 lengths in 25 meters pool. And I used to literally finish about, like, not before 10 o'clock. Then I used to be again a couple of hours rest and then I'm doing that same thing again and I never said I'm tired I never said oh it's raining today or it's snowing today I never said that it was you know like relentless of you know, hard work
0: what's and the I drive really what was what was the drive to keep you doing that
1: it, it's, it's the love for the thing mate it wasn't never for money I didn't never want it to be like you know of course when you join special forces you get Paid a lot. You get so much facilities. You got so many access to the to the to the other other stuff, and you are super respected as well in the community. But I never joined UK Special Forces to be a general or to make millions or to make more money than anybody else. It was just I wanted to be part of that cool group who earned their respect, you know. And that's what the driving was come for. It's for the love. And of course, if you love something, you got to commit. You got to. Dedicate. You got to work 10 times harder than anybody else out there. So, yeah, after serving 10 years with, uh, with the Special Forces, I was like, okay, yeah, what's next? And then I got this idea of climbing all the 14 highest mountains. And then my purpose was, again, bigger than where I am from, who I am, bigger than my family, bigger than anything else. It was, it was for the human race. And that's what it kept me fired up, brother. And it was like, you know what, money is nothing. You know, we all go one day. We all die one day. doesn't matter how much you, you make. doesn't matter how much money you, you have. You're going to go as you, as you can. So if you've got the purpose and bigger stuff and you've got the happiness, come on. That's who I am, buddy.
0: That's a beautiful message, man. I spoke to mutual friend of ours and past Modern Wisdom guest, Jay Morton, the other day, and he gave me some inside information on you. He told me that during Special Forces selection in the jungle – you were nearly killed yeah. by a tree while you were asleep?
1: Yeah, it fell like...
0: <laughs> yeah, he said that dead trees falling is like yeah. the number one killer of people in the yeah. jungle. And this tree fell and your hammock, there was a U-shaped hole in the tree that was the precise size of you and it just happened to miss yeah. you.
1: Lucky miss, eh?
0: Bro, you're blessed. <laughs> someone someone out there is looking, is looking after you. One of the things, yeah. again, Jace, thank you, Jay brother. He sent me this big voice note that really gave me some more perspective, especially about yourself. And um, he said he doesn't think most people realize just how difficult of a feat this is. It's one of the most insane yeah. physical accomplishments ever, but it's got nowhere near as much press as it deserves. That's That was what Jay said. Do you think part of this is because going up a mountain is so alien to most people, they don't really understand how hard it is. For instance, Ross Edgley swimming around the UK is another endurance feat that's occurred recently. Most people have swam at one point, they've done a couple of lengths in a pool. And then if you were to say, right, now you need to do six hours on six hours off all day for 180 days, people can understand what that is. But altitude sickness and the uh, technical side of using crampons and hooking in and climbing and all this sort of stuff doing rescues is that so far removed from people's understanding that it's it's almost like an alien achievement
1: I, i think so buddy and you are absolutely right for a fact it's not football you know that's why you know I'm not, you know, as uh, as famous as you know, in a Messi. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But what this sport is, is super dangerous. It's super risky. It's like you live in a moment. In you know, any mistake you make, you die. That's it. And there's no no coming back to it. That's why people are scared of doing these things. It is a voluntary pain because I decided to do this. But then every step that you take on the snow or you're climbing, your, like, cough is burning, your lungs are on fire, and you feel like you're gasping for the air, you know? And you know, and if you get that wrong as well, you might have an you know, altitude sickness, which could be, like, you're going to have water in your lungs, you're going to have, you know, like, the brain going to swell up because there's a fluid as well. And, and there's no coming back from this. You just have to either evacuate it from the mountains or you die. It's very simple. And... and and the sport is so extreme that it's, it's kind of an alien that that's why people don't understand it. That's why I said like when I said I was going to climb all this 8000 meter peak in seven months, most people didn't get it. But then those who got it, especially from the mountaineering world, brother, at first when I say it, when they saw me, they were like, oh, there you go, fourteen seven. I can sense it. They were like, it's good to say, but do you even know what it takes to climb one 8,000 meter peak? Because those people knew it. So those people kind of knew the, the the enormity of this, the size of the project. But then for regular people, they, they didn't know what it was. So and, what, and hence why. What sets you apart
0: then? You've got these very experienced mountaineers, much more experienced than you were mm-hmm. when you started. And they're saying this is impossible. The previous record was seven years as opposed <sighs> to seven months. What mm-hmm. is it about you? Why, why were you able to do it?
1: Okay, it's very simple, brother. You know, yes, I, I had a bit of talent. You know, like such as like people like Usain Bolt, people like Muhammad Ali. They had the natural talent, but then I also worked maybe twenty times harder than any other people in the world. I say it, and every time, and and then and it wasn't just like given to me, brother. You know, I climb in the wind speed of. 75 km per hour. People can't even dare to get out of their house in like normal storm. Forget that you are at, at the death zone and you are like, the, the, the wind is blasting your tent with the snow and it's so cold. It's, it's beyond people's imagination. And then you know what? I haven't slept for 19 days in Pakistan when I was climbing this, this peak because we had to run everywhere to make it for the, for the base camp and, the, and then there's a summit. And if you don't sleep for 24 hours, You imagine how you feel. And then that's you without doing anything else. Let's say you you, you don't even have a thing to do. If I'm burning my energy like a 10 man, if I'm climbing in that brutal conditions, if I'm climbing this this high altitude mountains where people take two months to climb and I haven't slept. Why I did that? Because I believed in my purpose. I believe in the vision. I was going to show the world that nothing is impossible and then I put my name into it I put the reputation of UK Special Forces into it. I put the reputation of Gurkhas into it. And I put the reputation of, you know, like Nepalese climbers into it. At no point I honestly believed that I had the rights to make Mickey out of my project because I didn't do well. And when you believe in anything what you do, sometimes you might have to exaggerate that. But this is who I am. I felt like people have given their life to to, to have that reputation. People have worked so It wasn't my reputation to damage it. It was built on layers, layers, hundreds of years by those hardworking men behind the scene to build that reputation. And who am I as a nimstai to ruin that reputation? And I believe in that. It could be wrong, but then I believe that, you know, I had much more to give. And I was showing the world that, you know what? Do not let anybody tell you that you are impossible. Coming from, as you asked Chris earlier, you said, what is the the main story here. The main story is like you you can come from nowhere else like me. You don't need to have an opportunity like me. You know, you don't need to have support like me. But then if you work hard enough, if you commit to it, if you dedicate into it, even though if there will be negativity, there will challenge you, turn that into positivity, you can achieve the success against all the odds. That is a very simple message from all this stuff. And I hope Anybody can relate their life into this story because we all have our own mountains to climb. We all have our own challenges. But how we overcome that challenge, how we become that person, I believe that the 8 billion population has got their own talents. But you need to find out what your talent is. And if you love that stuff and you work 10 times harder than everybody else, you will be number one.
0: You said that you were talented. What does talent mean when it comes to mountaineering? Is it so capacity in your lungs? Because you had you overcame, was it T B and asthma as like a kid?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So as someone who's pre-asthmatic to me doesn't strike me as the sort of person that makes a fantastic mountaineer that goes above eight thousand meters.
1: Oh yeah, brother. You know, like I believe again, you know, the, the power of believing is is massive. Your brain controls your body. That's very simple science, you know? What you believe, if you believe in your brain that you can run 10 kilometers, you can run 10 kilometers. But if you believe that you can just do only one kilometer, you do only one kilometer. And it's, it's the power of the brain, buddy. And if I feel I can heal quicker, I will heal quicker. Because if you put same patients in the hospital with similar injuries, the person who believe that he can overcome those in injuries or whatever it is, Will get healed better and now coming into the capacity buddy i wasn't even born at altitude i was born in the most flattest part of, of nepal you know it's, it's so hot even the flies dies at the road man it's like super hot it's the one um but yeah somehow you know i i kind of had this ability to climatize well and that's what pretty much all of this you know people who live in high altitude have the similar ability but what it makes me different is, is the decision-making ability, the purpose, why I was doing this stuff. It wasn't just for nothing. I, I was on a mission. I was on, on an objective. I had a clear aim. I had a clear direction. That's why you know, I became who I am. And, and it's very simple.
0: Tell us a story about when you were awake for all of those days in Pakistan. <clears throat>
1: It was crazy, brother. And, and at some point where you felt like you are climbing, like, oh, my God, I have, I, have, I, went so loud about this project. <laughs> Jesus, you know, like, I cannot obviously come back. You know, of course, sometimes and you just feel like that pain is so hard. You feel like, I wish that Avalanche comes from that mountain and just kill me, it's index, And that kills all the pain. But then you think, like, no, Nims, it's not about that. And then sometimes, because you haven't slept, you know, you are literally, like, climbing and you feel asleep and you go, oh, sh- Said, you know, if if you miss this one, you probably die. Then human body is kind of you know like doing its automatic stuff. But then I used to like, oh my God, no, 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 no! I used to grab the snow and rub it in my face, put it in my armpit, and I was like, Ugh! Then, if that doesn't work for a bit, then I used to shout so loud on the mountain like a madman. You know, honest, I used to like, you know, make noise, and then the noise is so loud that it wakes you awake. But then you can do for so long because, you know, you've got so much energy to do that. Then again, back to snow and back to, you know, like, you know, your points, why you are doing it. Who are you? All these, you know, motivating factors. So you build them as you you go. And and, then that's that's something you need to have, I guess. Has
0: it changed you as a person?
1: No, man. I'm still a simple guy. I'm still, you know, I, I respect the nature, you know. I still say, you know, I'm humble, but then, you know, we all have ego, brother. We all have people. Everybody as a human has ego. But the size of my ego depends upon who I talk to. If they're respectful, I'm respectful. If they want to come with the biggest you know, ego that they couldn't put their head inside the door, I'll kick them out already because I think I have done enough to, to do that. And that's not with me as well. Anybody in the world, nobody wants that kind of person to deal with. We all have, you know, that kind of stuff, but it's all about how you manage it. I would love to say, and I want to stay humble. I respect those people who are humble. But if people want to come with all this stuff, I don't have time for that, brother. Park it and...
0: Move on. Um, Can you explain what it's like going up the side of a mountain? Because I've climbed up hills before, but that's just me one foot in front of the other. It's basically a path on an incline. Mm -hmm. And upon reading the book, there's... All different manner of uh, teamwork that goes on with the person in front who has to cut through snow, and there's different heights of snow. Can you just take us through what it's like to to go up the side so, of a mountain?
1: Okay, so I would like to speak about the trailblazing here. So trailblazing is like you are the first man on that is snow, you know. And, and during the project, we we, we trailblaze on the snow conditions up to like waist deep and chest deep. And what that means is like, you know, at some point you got to create a gap and then you roll your hip and then you sink in. And then you go, and and it's so much tough because you need oxygen in your muscles to operate. When you have no oxygen, your lungs is like dying to to support, you know, the the, the air in your muscles. It's tough, bro. It's like even grabbing like 10, depending upon who you are, grabbing a, a, a day backpack of, you know, 10KG is like dragging a car at the sea level. And if you have to trailblaze like that, every step count and every breath counts and every second is as painful as probably I can explain. But then for me, why I do that? Maybe I say I love that kind of funny stuff. I love when there's a challenge. I love it because, you know, it's something that make me come on, you know. It also made me feel like I'm living in the moment. I'm not thinking about how much mortgage I have to pay. I don't have to worry about what this is going on, what the wall is doing. I'm just living in the moment saying, if I get this wrong, I could probably die because you know I, I don't have enough time to go back to the summit and come back. And sometimes you're leading in a very technical region where it's a blue ice. For example, on K2, if you make a mistake, you die. And then and the other point here is Imagine you are sleeping in the tent at, at, at the death journey It's so cold that you know, you're in the sleeping bag. It's warm As soon as you leave that you've got like snow coming into your face It's, it's horrible, but then you have to wake up and it's so cold that it takes half an hour to put your boots sometime To get out of that comfort from that sleeping bag at the middle of the night and then get ready That is the biggest mission as well. So it's it's so tough from all level but as i said you
0: know learning about trailblazing like the specifics about how you do it you walk forward you make a hole in waist-high snow yeah yeah, with your chest so you use your belly i guess as like a a snow plow then you use that extra bit of space you step forward and then you do it again so how slowly how slowly are you moving
1: oh man it depends upon who you are man and sometimes people take so long to climb you know all this in a, in a distance you know like for example if there is if the snow condition is perfect i climbed the world highest ma- like world you know third highest mountain in just 18 hours but then for the world's seventh highest mountain it took us 5 days because it was so tough the wind conditions the snow conditions yeah but again you know like if you look at the speed of you know my climbing style i climbed Everest, Lhotse and Makalu. That's the world's first, fourth, and fifth highest mountain in 48 hours. People have never done like this. And then, and then, if you see how much it's taking me to do that, you can imagine, guys. So, yeah.
0: Two days to climb the first, fourth, and fifth highest mountains, all of them back to back.
1: All of them back to back.
0: What the fuck, man? <laughs> what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. I- I don't even know what to say about that like it's the the main thing I think that it would appear is the other than the physical fatigue but some people there's ultra endurance athletes out there who might be able to deal with that level of fatigue but it's the um altitude changes that would end most people right
1: yeah it's, it's it's the altitude buddy you know you could be you know like more far out, or you send ball at sea level that means nothing over there brother and then that's why i said you know like it, it's a completely different game and um, you know people think just because you are from special forces you can do no not really i have climbed with so many special forces and then and they are like wow Nims, how the hell you do this you know you're not only trailblazing and you don't just like leave us like so far behind but then you come up you go down and we haven't even recovered for like two months since we climbed, you know, with you. So, and then there are so many other people. And I think, but for me, yes, I have got a bit of, you know, like, I would say a bit of like natural talent. That means, of course, I clim- climatize a bit a bit better. But then, for me, I love that. When you love so much that it's next level, mate. If you have, if like, if you are a football player or if you love that football so much, you will not realize, you know, if you have run a marathon in in process of changing the ball or whatever it is. But if you make that football or whatever it is to run full marathon, he's going to regret it. He's going to be like, oh, my God, it's so tough. Because that's, he doesn't love doing marathon. He loves playing football. So it's, it's all about how much passion you have got for that sport. And that's what it makes the difference. So the simple message, again, here in life, guys, if you are doing something that you don't love, you should change it. Gone are those days that you have to have one job in your life. You know the world is changing. Adapt to it. You know try something new. And if you like that, you could be the the number one in that. So there's a quote, and it's one life, there's, right? There's a, one there's life. A,
0: yeah. a quote that I absolutely love by Naval Ravikant, and it says, mm-hmm. "Become the best in the world at what you do. Keep redefining what you do until this is true. And that's what you're saying. Exactly. Keep on redefining what it is that you do until you can be." one of the best people on the planet at it. But uh, you, you're very, very humble about the, the um, work ethic that you have. But I would absolutely love for a sports scientist to get a hold of your physiology and look at what your lung capacity is, what your red blood cell count is, what your VO2 max is, your lactate threshold, all of this stuff. Because as much as hard work can take you to this place, the, there has to be some special source that's somewhere inside of you. The same as Elliot Kipchoge. We can say that this guy trains as hard. He lives this he's like a monk, lives this monastic lifestyle way he, he's very, very simple man. But there is something special in his physiology that permits him to do that. And I want to get if there's any sports scientists listening, <laughs> please just grab a hold of Nims and give us some samples of his muscle fibre and take some bloods <laughs> from him because I want to know I want to know what the hell's happening inside of your body, man. Well, uh, we see,
1: we find out that would be cool
0: (laughs) talk to us about that everest photo
1: all right paul this you know it was used in a wrong reason it was used uh, misutilized by the media people and some of them didn't even give the credit and and i'm super upset i will tell you the the exact thing because i have been there this is this is my world you know every year 20000 people climb mont blanc is the highest mountain in europe more than 20000 people and then if you try to capture the people of like 20000 people how how much queue are you going to see on mont blanc but well, unlike mount everest mont blanc has got so many different opportunities it's, it has got different weather conditions and there are so many like you know i would say um Opportunities of getting to the summit at different time interval. And it's not a thousand meters, it's only you know like five thousand. But Everest, only like twelve hundred per meter were used. And that number is relatively low. It wasn't any bigger than 2014, 2013, 11 or anything else. And a lot of people were commenting about this without knowing about Everest, you know. They were like, oh, it's a tourist and all. It's like, no, it's not. You know, you got to go into the mountain. You got to acclimatize for almost two months. You got to climb through this Kumbu icefall that can kill you at any time. Then forget the Lhotse wall. It's like 1.6 miles, you know, and it's about 55 degrees. You got to climb that then into the South Pole. Then you got to climb the Everest. Have you done that? If you haven't, then please don't comment. Now coming into that picture. A lot of these kind of people were over there. And that season, because of the whole weather condition, there was only one good day towards the end of the season. And of course, if you have put your time, effort, money, some people have sold their house, you want to go for that day. You want to take that opportunity. So everybody took that opportunity. It's, it's It's a human thing. And don't say that, oh, it's a tourist. No, man, you know, if you haven't been there and if you haven't done that, you know, yeah and that's what it upset me because you know people use it for the wrong reason you know if you have climb Everest in, in whatever way then you can talk but then again be true to yourself you know and then a lot of people ask me oh Everest is a lot easier and it's like not really man because I spoke with Reinhold Messner who climbed all this in you know, thousands without oxygen if you remove all the support manpower the, 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 the Sherpas and everybody else Everest is, is still the hardest mountain to climb you cannot even go through the Khumbu Icefall, forget a Lhotse wall. So if you don't know enough knowledge, don't talk about it, guys. That's all I want to say.
0: It was interesting that that's your viewpoint on it, and that's the reason. I mean, why did you take the photo for that reason? Just because it was interesting I, and I, no, impressive?
1: No, 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 no. I took the reason because I was trying to climb Everest and Lhotse in just six hours. My previous record was 10 hours, 15 minutes which I had broken accidentally. I didn't even knew that. I was just like going in my normal pace. So when I said I was going to broke my world record by like, you know, let's say in almost half, because at this point I'm conscious. So, but then I got stuck in the traffic and all that. And ah, I was just like, if somebody. Yes. I'm a, I'm a man of my word. And if somebody questioned me, like, okay, you said that, but you didn't do it. People are always like that, man. You will find people like this. And I would say, okay, it's good, you say me that, but then this is the reason. It was just for my evidence.
0: I understand. You made
1: this like negative haters shut their mouth, but yeah. then it was using other purpose, yeah, brother, but hate. Wow.
0: Man, that's so interesting that, in your opinion, is someone yeah. who's more qualified than pretty much everybody on the planet to talk about going up and down mountains quickly, oh. You're still saying Everest's the hardest mountain to climb on the planet if it's unsupported. It's still even yeah. supported, incredibly difficult. It's still tough. The reason that the mountain on that day was so heavily populated is because of the um, backlog of people you get when they do a push to base camp one, base camp two, and then they finally go up and down in a day. You only had a short window of weather. and then the it's, Summit, yeah. Yeah, it gets flipped because the message that came across to me as a normal member of the public, was look at these rich, lazy, adventure wannabes who are paying probably cheap local Sherpas to carry all of their stuff up. You know what it reminded me of? This is what I thought when I first saw all of the news stories. Have you seen those images of people who've shot lions in um, mm-hmm. parks in Africa and stuff like that, and there's always it's always a rich American businessman. He's a bit fat. He's sweating, and yeah. he's there. you've got this this kind of fat picture of modern day excess human next to a really proud, gracious animal that someone else has tracked and he's killed. And it gave me the same sensation as that. It made me think: Have we commodified? Have we made so commercialized? the tallest supposedly most difficult mountain on the planet and what you're saying is that it's quite the opposite it's still incredibly hard to do and it is. for anyone that actually understands the way that you do a push up the mountain this queue of people was inevitable because they'd done the hard work and this was their one opportunity to get to the there top
1: there was one opportunity and then who wouldn't take that you know so if you don't if you haven't done that and if you haven't been there and you could have done, you know. Yeah, some people even commented because they climb in in different era, different time. It's, it's still the same. If at that point when these people had climbed, and there were there were other climbers up to this enormous size because of the of the education, because of the knowledge that people knew that, then you would still be in that same position. It's just the time, you know. It's it's changing because now people know what it is and people know what it takes. Just because you have been there for the first time doesn't mean like. It was so, like, hard. Still, you got to climb that mountain. Either somebody run two, like, full marathon in two hours or whatever it is, you still have to run that marathon. Still, you have to do it. You cannot just say, oh, one person did full marathon, and he's the first man to do it. Oh, negative, brother. If people are still doing full marathon now, still, you got to claim that achievement because you run that same distance. Be broad about the thinking, people, and... uh, Let's stop being so, like, I don't know, you know, people just always pointing this one and, like,
0: judgment really negative
1: energy. Yeah, you know, we, we have come into this world where this is a time to adjust. This is the time where I feel like it's not about the race. It's not about, you know, which national you are from. It's not about now. This thing's going to change. It's it's about the human race. And, and, and now coming into this, my topic, this is going to happen. Because with the climate change, with the global warming, if we all as a human being don't work together, we're not going to extinct. We're just going to disappear. So this is where, you know, the things are happening naturally, brother. You know, like, where, you know, it's not about, you know, before it was, if you see the world again, back and then, people were like about the rest. People were from, that is changing now slowly. And then now we are changing for a reason. We are changing for, for our survival as well. so, in every areas that we need to be broader thinking in you know, a human, I guess.
0: Was there not a story associated with your photo to do with people leaving rubbish on the mountain? No, it wasn't. <laughs> Thank God. Otherwise, okay, just, but do you I know? Think... Do you know what I'm talking about? I, have I just made this yeah, up? Yeah.
1: No, no. So I think, you know, there are a lot of, you know, rubbish and stuff on, on the big mountains and all. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, people are so tired and, and they don't do it. But then I think now, you know, or also some people probably didn't knew the extremity of, of that, that, that incident. And they probably didn't know how much it's going to affect the, the world by leaving a trust there. But now everybody is getting educated. You know, people probably you know used to leave the electricity on in the house even though if they are not there. But now people are getting educated, so they turn the electricity off. They don't do food waste. You know, at least some people are trying. And then it's exactly the same. I think that the education has the awareness has gone a bit wider now. And of course, all these people love the, love the mountains. And and as we progress towards this in you know, the next generation, everybody will start cleaning this up. And I think. Nobody is there as a bad human, I would say. And it's just about the, the perspective. We all want to do, do good in life. I don't think anybody in the world want to be known for like super bad in a man. I don't know. If there is, there, there's maybe point whatever percent. But everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be a good person. So I think we are a good person, so I think we will start cleaning all that up in the, in the future. All my expeditions that we run, we're gonna if there's there's a capacity with with our guides and all, we will bring it down and uh, And it's not like the effort of one person. we all have to do together, and as long as everybody put everything what they do as as, as a core message i e like we have to look after our earth in whatever way we do, then then it's fair. And then I think the whole thing with, um, I just recently was, you know, Sir David uh, Attenborough, you know, you know, you know, the witness is in a a statement. And it's very simple, you know, we don't have to be super like, you know, like, you know, rogue or super like, you know, like, I don't know, extreme about this. But as long as it's practical and as long as we, whatever decision we make, we put, you know, our home as an earth, as a core into that decision making that we're making will make the whole difference and it, and that could be small from like people like us to the politicians to the billionaires everybody if everybody plays their part we're smiling so yeah.
0: what what did you see in ter- <clears throat> in terms of climate change what oh, my, effects I, I, can, I can you see on the mountain
1: so from my own eyes i was on amadablam in 2014 uh, at that point when we were at 1, you know we could Melt the snow and we can cook our food and drink. I went there again in 2018, and then you know what, there was no snow, anything else. And we had to carry like 20 liters of water from the base camp, and 20 liters is 20 kg. And when you had to carry that up that altitude, just because you know the, the global warming is happening and all that, it kicks you, man. Then the other incident was I was on Dalagri. So, Dalagri is known as the White Mountain because it snows all the time. Uh, it's the world's seventh highest mountain. I was there in 2014. And last year when I went, you know, during the, the, the Bremen Project Possible, the whole glacier was like melting. And and I saw it from my own eyes. And that was a bit really sad moment, brother. And and hence why, you know, like last year, I said I was gonna raise the awareness about climate change. But now as a nimsta, as a person, I'm acting on it, you know. I cannot change the world, but then I can change in my lifestyle. I can do whatever I can do in order to, like, you know, be, be more sustainable.
0: You did a number of... more gentle You did a number of unplanned rescues as well, didn't you? Yeah. Can you take us through yeah. some of them?
1: Yeah, so a lot of people, again, criticize once you do it. Oh, yeah, he climbed with oxygen and all. First of all, if you want to say that, buddy... Go and try with oxygen or without oxygen, and, and you once you do it, you can talk. If you haven't done it, again, park your ideas, okay? But there is a reason why I climb with oxygen from camp. I only take oxygen from the highest camp, okay? Before that, I didn't take it, and that comes into the story in 2016 when I was climbing Everest, you know, in my holiday between, you know, war tours to Afghanistan and all that. Nobody knew about it, and I rescued a climber from 8,450 meters alone, and and that 500 meter worth of rescue, it takes probably some, it takes half a day, depending upon who, it could even take a full day. I did that rescue in 90 minutes. And when I brought her to Camp for, I handed it to the rescue team. And it took two days for the rescue of five people to bring her to Camp 2. Then I realized, wow, I can, if I got this oxygen, I can save someone's life like that. Coming from a special forces background, Whatever we do in mission, we always have a debrief. What went well, what went wrong, and what are the lessons learned. And the lesson learned from, from me that every expedition was climbing all this mountain, even though I wanted to eventually climb without oxygen. It wasn't about ego. It wasn't about proving that. And then, yeah. And then I was like, okay, if I can save someone's life, I will do it. Now coming into this project, you know, I guess I had this mammoth project in front of me. For which I had sacrificed my job, for which I have given up my pension, everything. The first rescue got called up in Annapurna. We we're meant to be going on Dhaulagiri, our second mountain. But I was like, you know what? For me, I've never left anyone behind in, in war. Either I serve with the Gaikas or special forces. And that's not going to happen on the mountain. So I abandoned this Dhaulagiri mission. We went with our team and... Uh,
0: so what happened? Someone him. rings? Someone rings you? I mean, who calls no, you? No,
1: no. He was missing. Then there was a helicopter, you know, the, the, and the, who looked for, you know, Mr. Chin, like Dr. Chin. His wife was, you know, paying for the helicopter to go and, and search it. They found that he was alive. Then we're... Every detail is in, in, in the book, brother. But, you know, if I go into this one, I think it's going to be so, so in-depth conversation. I don't think we have time for that. But then moving into another rescue... So we did that rescue, we saved his life, but then we're seen off because we missed the complete weather conditions, you know, all our team were destroyed, our lines were gone, and then we had to climb in this brutal condition, which it took us five days. I could have probably done that in a day. But then again, you know, going into now was the world's highest mountain, we rescued four people. And this is very important message here, brother. At 8,450 meters, we found a climber whose oxygen was running out. Okay. Then we gave our oxygen to him. So he's straight away. He's alive. We started risking him down. Then we got another climber. He also ran out of his oxygen. So we gave our oxygen. So we are off oxygen now. Conducting the rescue from 8,450 meters without oxygen, when you are not climatized, I say it, when you are not climatized, it's a suicidal mission. But we knew what our body was capable of and all that. So, again, you know, all this rescue stuff, you know, for me, it comes because I want to sleep peacefully when I go to bed, brother. You know, I do not want to say that, okay, you know, I left this, you know, man or, you know, you know, female or fellow climbers behind when I had the ability to do, do the rescue. Yeah, of course, you know, my project is important, but then, you know, life is important than that, brother. So, yeah, but that's who I am. And again, you know, if you're listening to this story, guys, and if you want to you know, know in-depth knowledge, you know, why I do things and, 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 and why I am who I am and all, there is in-depth story on, on my book, Beyond Possible. So, yeah, feel free to dig in.
0: That'll be linked in the show notes below, man. Don't worry, we will be pushing everybody Boom. to that as well. What's next for you?
1: Well, I'm preparing for K2 winter uh, expedition. So K2 is the only mountain in the world. It's the second highest mountain in the world that has never been on climb in winter. So all other 8,000 meter peak have been have been climbed in winter. It's, it's the last greatest. I don't know, whatever the fit you say. It. So yeah, I'm out there, buddy. I'm out there this Christmas uh, and New Year to go and do this. I'm still working on a sponsorship and hopefully, you know, that will pull through and uh i can go and do this again in another impossible stuff so yeah
0: so that's this year climbing the second highest mountain in the world in the worst conditions in- possible
1: yeah <laughs> and no one has ever climbed in a k2 in winter so yeah uh-
0: what is it that's going to make that difficult wind speeds temperature ice what yeah, is it
1: Oh, you're going to get, you know, hurricane winds, it's going to be minus 65, in you know, Celsius, and then it's going to be, it's going to be so cold, you know, you yeah, it's going to be bone cold, you know, but yeah, we see, man, we see how, you know, like, um, you know, how, how we get on over there, you know, at the end of the day, the nature has, you know, bigger things to say, uh, still, you know, we are positive, we have got the, the right attitude, We've got this speed uh, but again you know sometimes you know just being the best is not enough for this kind of you know like fit um no one can defeat the nature we only get the passes if we got the passes we'll do it if we, if we don't get it and it's beyond our like you know capabilities or whatever it is due due to the weather conditions you've got to stay humble
0: man <clears throat> i I absolutely love it today's been fantastic uh people want to check out more to do with you where should they go?
1: Uh, but I am available. I think most of my stuff are, you know, updated and, and in, in tune on my Instagram uh, at Um So, yeah. And also, you know, like for K2 and all, once we, we properly announce it, which I haven't announced it because of the sponsorship stuff at the moment. And if, if that deal comes through, I'm going to announce it. We'll have a website page and all that. But yeah, just just in Instagram at the moment.
0: Perfect. Beyond Possible will be linked in the show notes below as well. Go and check it out. It's a really fantastic read. And you get to go into all of the details that we didn't have time for today. Man, I uh, I don't know. I feel like I want to go and climb up the side of a building or go and, <laughs> go and do something crazy now. Um, I think that you're a wonderful ambassador, man. It seems like you're very aligned with what it is that you want in terms of purpose, with trying to live in um, synchronicity with the world. I think that the next few years are going to have wonderful things. So make sure that you get back from K2 in one piece, man, because I think that we need more people like you.
1: Thank you, my man. And and that means a lot to me, brother.
0: Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget, you can get thirty-five percent off all supplements at theproteinworks.com/slash modern wisdom and the code modern35. Go and see everything that I use and recommend from the Fantastic ProteinWorks range. And brand new sponsor Slater Menswear are giving you 10% off everything site-wide, including sale items. Head to slaters.co.uk slash modernwisdom and the code MW10 for 10% off everything. This is the hack. If you still haven't sorted out what you're getting someone for Christmas, slaters.co.uk slash modernwisdom and MW10. Peace.